Good evening, it is 5 p.m. and you're listening to Today in YGK on CFRC 101.9 FM and CFRC.ca. Today in YGK is brought to you by CFRC's News Collective, comprised of Alexandra Fernandez, Dinah Jansen, Chancellor Miracle, Christina Laurie, Zayden Vergara, Erica Singh, and Mary McKetty. I'm Alexandra Fernandez, and here is your local news rundown. Kingston Indigenous Languages Nest will soon be starting to build a new community garden in City Park. The garden will be the first one owned by Kiln itself, with the organization previously borrowing space for on-the-land programming from community partners like Walking the Path of Peace Together, who operate an Indigenous food sovereignty garden on a plot of land next to Highway 15. Working alongside Kiln, the City of Kingston put out a call for community consultation last summer to see what people thought of building two smaller vegetable and medicine gardens at the edge of City Park along Kingston. Near the former site of Sir John A. Macdonald's statue. Kiln's executive director, Constance Carrier Prill, said that consultation resulted in what Kiln will now be building and operating in City Park, a larger garden located centrally in the large downtown park. Some of the feedback came back and said, Why can't it be bigger? Carrier Prill said. They continue to say, so looking at that feedback is sort of when we went back to the drawing board and said, why don't we think bigger on this? We wanted to make sure we're providing something that the community was excited about and could engage in. In working with the city, Kiln identified City Park as an accessible, central location with plenty of space available and further room to grow in years to come. Given its proximity to a number of elementary schools, Queens Ford Directions Indigenous Student Center, and the TP Moza Housing Complex, the park also made a lot of sense to encourage outreach. Carrier Prill added that the garden is likely to bear similarity to that on Highway 15, as Kiln's Community Connections Coordinator Mandy Wilson did a lot of building and continued work on that garden. She says Wilson brings a lot of traditional knowledge and gardening expertise that she can impart to volunteers. She'll probably do some similar things and probably find some areas that she wants to do something a little bit different, Carrier Prill said. They continue to say, but I know whatever it is, it's going to be incredible because she's just got incredible knowledge of the land and the plants, gardens, and medicine, so I'm really excited to see what she actually puts together for us. Carrier Prill specifically pointed to Wilson's urban foraging walks that are open to anyone as a great experience, where people can learn what edible plants grow around them in their community and how to actually make use of them showing people what plants actually just grow around us in nature and in our community, encouraging people to not only build our understanding of what plants are out there, but knowing what to do with it, Carrier Pearl says. Kiln is eager to get building of gardens underway as soon as all approvals are official, and they are currently seeking input into what the garden's name should be. Right now, Kiln is looking for volunteers for the building and continued maintenance of the new space. Gardens take a lot of work, so it's going to take many hands in the community to keep it going and keep it growing this year. Those interested in volunteering can get in touch with Mandy Wilson at mw.ccc.kiln at gmail.com. The story was written by Owen Fullerton of YGK News for the Local Journalism Initiative. The North American bird population has suffered a decline of more than 30% over the last 50 years. The journal Science calls this loss almost 3 billion birds a biodiversity crisis. Can small pieces of land help to address this biodiversity crisis? The Land Conservancy for Kingston, Frontenac, Lennox, and Addington has invited Dr. Lenore Farig, Chancellor's Professor of Biology at Carleton University, to talk about the value of small spaces for biodiversity conservation at the annual meeting. Dr. Farig is a co-director of Carleton's Geomatics and Landscape Ecology Research Laboratory and leads a team studying the role of landscape connectivity, the effects of fragmentation, and the minimum amount of habitat required to support species. 
The group's vice president, Mary Alice Snetzinger, says, As a land trust, we are interested in learning more about how we can best contribute locally when setting aside land for nature. We own a 400-acre parcel and some nature reserves that are under 10 acres. We look forward to Dr. Farig's insights on the impact of smaller spaces on efforts to provide enough habitats to support biodiversity. The event is happening on Wednesday, April 12th at 7 p.m., and registration is available on Eventbrite. In other news, on March 28th, the federal government released our budget for 2023, and Brenda Moore, who is the chair of the Board of Directors for the Food Sharing Project, wrote a letter on April 3rd, 2023, to the federal government in response to the budget. The Food Sharing Project is a local nonprofit that makes it possible for school nutrition program coordinators to order everything to provide healthy meal and snack programs at schools in the KFLNA region. The Food Sharing Project sources healthy food in consultation with schools and nutritionists from the KFLNA Health Unit. They purchase food from local suppliers to keep costs down and to maximize every dollar that is donated. They maintain online ordering systems, engage volunteers and staff to pack food, and of course delivering the food to the schools. I have the opportunity to speak with Brenda Moore about why school food programs are critical and crucial for youth and not only for youth but also adults and families and guardians as well. I also spoke with Brenda about what the food sharing project will be doing to further campaign for additional funding and support from the federal government to be able to keep providing nutritious food for students in schools. You can tune in on 5 p.m. on Tuesday, April 11th on CFRC 101.9 FM for my full conversation with Brenda, the chair of the board of directors for the food sharing project. Thank you so much. And now let's start over to Erica Singh with Campus Corner. Thank you. Hello and welcome to Campus Corner. My name is Erica Singh and here are some campus news headlines for this week. Two Queen's alumni sisters, Nadia Gill and Amira Gill, are being investigated for potential enrollment fraud involving false claims of Inuk heritage. Social media posts allege that the sisters misused financial support for university studies and their business. The Iqaluit Community Enrollment Committee will review their removal application and make a decision. In other news, the Smith Commerce Society, or COMSOC, has increased its mandatory membership fee from $55 to $85 per student starting next year, with $71,100 of the fee increase going towards the compensation of the three executives and the orientation head. The fee increase was voted in favor on March 26, and according to Comstock's executive team, it will equalize resources with other faculty societies, increase financial support, and fund new projects. Comstock hopes to use the fee increase to create up to 50 paid positions to compensate students and other faculty societies like ACES and NSOC have. The fee increase will also allow Comstock to have more capital for committees and conferences. The three executive positions and the orientation head will now receive a salary of up to $15 per hour. Next, Queens is taking steps to invest its funds sustainably with a focus on environmental, social, and governance factors. The university's investment committee held a responsible investing town hall, revealing that it has $1.9 billion in assets across four investment funds. The university's approach is aligned with the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals and assures that ESG factors in its investment strategy are being implemented, believing that they can be material to shareholder value across industries and time. The university is also committed to reducing its carbon footprint with the goal of being 25% lower than the MSCI All-Country World Equity Index. Queens is diversifying its investments by working with a broad range of external fund managers 
with a focus on transparency and reducing carbon emissions. In other news, on March 26, a group of Western engineering students built a 12-foot Trojan horse in Mitchell Hall as a part of the long-standing rivalry with Queen's University. The prank involved decorating the horse with chains and symbols typically associated with the engineering programs in Canada. Above the horse, the pranksters hung several t-shirts showcasing Waterloo Engineering and other engineering programs. A letter attached to the horse encouraged Queen's and students to continue the prank by bringing the horse to either university. The letter was signed, With Love, by Western Engineering. The Queen's Engineering Society, NSOC, condemned the prank and deconstructed the horse. The NSOC VP said that the society does not condone such behavior, as it would require the use of students' funds for retaliation. The screws used to build the horse were soldered and greased, making the deconstruction process difficult and time-consuming. While the prank wars between NSOC and engineering societies at other schools are not uncommon, there have been no incidents like this at Queen's in the past five years. The VP stressed the importance of being aware of the consequences of pranks and ensuring public safety. That's all for Campus Corner today. Now over to Zayden Vergara with sports. Thank you so much. I am coming to you live from CFRC Sports Desk. U Sports announced on Thursday, March 30th that Queen's University will be hosting the 2023 and 2024 editions of the Vanier Cup at Richardson Memorial Stadium. The 58th edition of the Vanier Cup will be held Saturday, November 25th, 2023 at 1 p.m. The 2023 championship is the first Vanier Cup in Kingston and the third time a Canadian University football title game is played in the city, dating all the way back to 1920 and 1929 Canadian Intercollegiate Rugby Football Union title games. Kingston is the eighth city to host the championship since its inception in 1965, with Toronto hosting on 41 occasions, Quebec City seven times, Hamilton five and once in London, Montreal, Saskatoon, and Vancouver. In a news release, Principal Dean says that Queen's University is delighted to be hosting the Vanier Cup in 23 and 24. Queen's is home to many traditions, and among our most beloved and celebrated is Queen's football, which dates back to 1882. We look forward to welcoming the student athletes and coaches as well as fans from across the country to Richardson Stadium, our campus and city. Little fun fact for everyone, BFRC's first broadcast in 1922 was actually a football game, so we are very excited that the Vanier Cup will be coming to Queens. And of course, don't forget that we broadcast all Queens Gales football games on CFRC 101.9 FM, and we are very excited for this upcoming season that will be starting in August. Thank you so much. This is Alex coming from your sports desk, and now let's throw it over to Christina Laurie with our community update. This is Chris coming in with your community update for this week. This week, I sat down with Mona Roman to talk about the Give 30 campaign here in Kingston. So to start off, would you like to introduce yourself and your role with Give 30? Sure. Uh, my name is Mona Rahman, and I am the co-chair of the Give 30 campaign in Kingston. And my other co-chair is Imam Abdul Rashid Taylor. Awesome. And for folks who don't know, what is Give 30? So Give30 is an initiative that was started in 2012 by Ziad Mia, who basically had uh, reflected on the fact, somebody had joked that as he was putting away his coffee mug before the month of Ramadan, um, somebody joked that he was probably going to uh, save a lot of money because he wasn't going to be buying coffee. And that little joke 
caused him to reflect that, yes, I'm actually going to be saving a lot of money. So as are many Muslims during the month of Ramadan, so what can we do with all this money that we save? And so in the spirit of Ramadan, in the spirit of generosity and that empathy that you feel when you're fasting towards those that may not be able to eat and drink regularly, um, he decided to start this initiative where um, the mo- we give money to our local food banks to help fight hunger in our local communities. So it's a, and it's a campaign that is really across the nation. There are communities across Canada. Um, I believe at one point we had communities in Australia and, and uh, the States as well, but it is pr- um, many of our uh, contributing communities are in Canada where we just encourage people to raise money for the local food banks. And we've especially seen this during the COVID pandemic, what need there is in our local communities. And when we think about hunger, we do tend, I think many people think that this is a problem that is, you know, in other countries in what we call developing countries, but the problem of hunger is really something that exists in our own backyards. So it's a way of of helping those around us. And in our tradition, um, in the Muslim tradition, we do have a saying of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, that none of you believes if you go to bed with your stomach full and your neighbor is hungry. And when we talk about our neighbors, we're talking about 40 houses in every direction. So it's not just your next door neighbor, but really your community. So um, we're hoping that for people who are fasting, for people who are not fasting, we just take this opportunity to help to remember that we do have a need in our community and to support the food bank, which is trying to fulfill that need. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for that. So how's it going so far? I know it started about a month ago, I suppose. It did. Um, it's still slow. I know that, I mean, there are a couple of schools that really took the took the banner and um, they, they're actually doing food drives. So mm-hmm. while we encourage people to raise money because then it gives the food bank flexibility and they can really get a lot um they can they can get what they want and they they tend to be able to get more we do encourage also i mean the food drives as well so there are a couple of schools that have started food drives as well in the the limestone district school board um and we are encouraging both both school boards to to have food drives or raise money for the give 30 campaign so i don't know um how those are going yet um we've we've raised i think about two hundred dollars so far so i will encourage the community to um to maybe think about the food bank and donate whatever you can to help get the campaign going um last year we were very fortunate this community raised a record-breaking sixteen thousand two hundred and fifty dollars for partners in mission food bank and we would like to beat that last year was the highest we've ever raised so the most we've ever raised and we'd like to beat that record again this year because the problem of hunger hasn't gone away Mm -hmm. um so so yeah so it's a little bit slow right now but we're hoping with um with increased awareness Mm -hmm. that um people will you know think about the people in our community and what they need. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And you recommended giving money so that um, mm. decisions can be made in terms of what to buy by uh, the food bank themselves. Uh, but also what sort of items would you recommend for folks who have that flexibility? So um, with the risk, what we did uh, actually during Islamic History Month, we ran a campaign called Feed a Neighbor from Your Table. So we tend, I think what we tend to find is a lot of us tend to grab the pasta um you know, it, that's that's our go-to, the pasta and the rice, when we give things to the food bank. But we need to remember that our community is quite diverse, um, and the people in our community reflect the people that are using the food bank. So with this feed a neighbor from your table, think about the kind of th- foods that you like to eat or that you serve at your table, and Think about, um, you know, there may be families like yours that uh, that are hungry and they may not be they may not be uh, eating pasta. That's not part of their their diet. So maybe the lentils, um, rice, chickpeas, things like that. So, I mean, they you think about it, you're feeding your neighbors. So what would you feed your if you were to invite your neighbor over to your house? What would you feed them? So, um, so Ramadan ends on April 20th. But the campaign will run until June 30th. So how can people contribute? So basic is very easy. You just go to www.give30.org. You could also go to give30.ca. I think both go to the same place. And um, go to the donate link and find your local food bank. So for us, it would be Partners in Mission Food Bank in Kingston. Um, If you're from a different, if you're listening from a different community, you can find your own community on the list. Um, and you just press the link and then go to the Partners in Mission Food Bank site, uh, pick Give 30 as the campaign you're supporting, and just um, donate online. You can also send them checks with the memo that it's for the Give 30 campaign. But the easiest way is just to go online and donate. That's all for your community update this week, and be sure to check out the Give 30 campaign. Next up is Mary with the weather. Thanks so much. I'm Mary McKetty, and this is your CFRC weather report. Monday evening, partly cloudy conditions will become clearer by the night. Winds will be out of the southwest at 20 kilometers per hour, but will become lighter during the night. We'll reach a low of plus four. Tuesday morning, we'll see increasing cloudiness. By the afternoon, we'll reach a high of plus 13. Tuesday evening, there will be cloudy periods and we'll reach a low of plus seven. Now over to Alex with our traffic report. Thank you so much. I'm Alexandra Fernandez, and here is your weekly traffic report brought to you by the City of Kingston. Reduced load restrictions are in effect. Heavy trucks and loads are restricted on city roads were posted until April 30th. These restrictions help reduce damage to roads in the spring. Lower Borough Swing Bridge is closed until further notice. Parks Canada is continuing its efforts to replace the bridge over the winter. University Avenue from Union to Earl will be closed until April 31st at 7pm. And Wright Crescent from the south intersection of Palace to 16 Palace will be closed until October 31st, 2023. The School Streets Initiative is still in place. The following streets are closed from 8.40am to 9.10am and 3.20pm to 3.50pm on weekdays until June 29th. McDonnell Street from Earl to Hill, and Sydenham Street from Ordnance to Colburn. Thomas Street from County to Patrick is closed on Mondays from 3.30pm to 5.30pm until August 28th for the Play Street Initiative. 
The Chad Memorial Parking Structure Restoration Project is underway. The work will take place throughout all levels of the building. The work is expected to conclude in late December. The work will be completed in phases to allow the building to remain open to public parking for the duration of the project. Phased work areas will occupy a maximum of 33% of the available parking stalls at a time, meaning that up to 150 spaces will be out of commission. There is parking availability at the Hanson Memorial and Robert Bruce Memorial parking garages in the two adjacent blocks to the east. Dunkirk Avenue from Fergus to Alfred, you can expect delays due to contractor mobilizing to site happening on Tuesday, April 11th for road reconstruction. Construction barrels and flag people will direct traffic around the work zone and at the intersections of Alfred and Dunkirk and Fergus and Dunkirk. Highway 33 east of Collins Creek Bridge to west of Coronation Boulevard, you can also expect delays. Construction barrels and flag people will direct traffic around the work zone. That's it for your weekly traffic report brought to you by the City of Kingston. And now let's throw it back over to Mary McKetty with our events calendar for the week. Thank you so much. I'm Mary McKetty and this is your events calendar for the week. Coming up on Thursday, David Hickey hosts a Crystal Journey event at the Kingston Unitarian Fellowship, located at 206 Concession Street. Crystal Journey is a show led by Hickey, where he uses various instruments and crystals to create a calm and harmonious experience for participants. You're welcome to bring a yoga mat or a blanket to lie on, and chairs will be provided for the experience. Crystals and crystal bracelets will also be available for purchase. Tickets are available online at eventbrite.ca and in person at the door for $30. Doors open at 7 p.m. and the show will run from 7.30 p.m. to 9.30 p.m. Also on Thursday, The Mansion, located at 506 Princess Street, hosts a variety of bands for a night of live music. Ducks in the Attic and Red Compass Rose are set to perform and will be supported by Matilde's Room and Duncan to bring you the live rock and pop vibes you've been looking for. Tickets are available online for $7 at eventbrite.com or at the door for $10. Doors open at 7.30 p.m. and the show runs until 11.30 p.m., so make sure to stop by for a good time. Next up on Friday, Yamato, also known as the Germans of Japan, will be performing at the Kingston Grand Theatre, located at 218 Princess Street. Yamato is an international sensation, having traveled over 50 countries in their 25 years of performing. They are known for using traditional Japanese wood daiko drums to create thrilling and explosive music for audiences. Tickets start at 39.50 plus HST and handling fee and are available online at kingstongrand.ca/events. The show starts at 7:30 p.m. and runs until 9:30 p.m. and this is one you don't want to miss. This Saturday, the Uvenus Film Festival hosts a spring fling and fundraiser at their new location, 1296 Bath Road. The Juvenus Festival is a project of the Blue Canoe Theatrical that gives local youth the opportunity to showcase their artistic talents in dance, drama, music, etc. They are hosting the Spring Fling to fundraise for their upcoming Youth Arts Festival. The Spring Fling will have an all-ages dance from 7 to 9 p.m. with tickets priced at $10. There will also be a 19-plus dance from 9 to 11 p.m. with tickets priced at $15. You can purchase tickets for the All Ages and 19 Plus dances online at uvenisfestival.ca and that's j-u-v-e-n-i-s-festival.ca and have the option to add an additional donation at checkout. Don't forget your dresses, suits, and song requests before attending. I'm Mary McKetty and those are all the events we're highlighting for the week. Thank you so much for tuning in to CFRC's news programming. If you ever have a news story or tip to share, please reach out to news at cfrc.ca. Stay tuned for more programming coming up next. Martha's is growing. 
We are working on a new, larger space at Princess Street and Nelson Street that will allow us to welcome guests back to indoor services. By the end of 2023, we hope to be serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner indoors, as well as continuing takeout and door-to-door -door delivered meals. We hope to meet the nutritional and social needs of a rapidly increasing population that finds themselves in need of assistance, more effectively and with a warm welcome. Thank you for your support, Kingston.